When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is, and we roll along. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. My buddy Tom Waddle from Chicago will join us here in just a couple of minutes. There's an answer that we need to get, and he is the perfect person to provide it. So he'll be with us in a moment. Other than that, the assembled members of the hashtag crew are here. Question of the day is on my Twitter page, at ESPN Greeny. And the question is, which of the teams we saw on Monday Night Football last night is a legit contender? Who you got? Niners, Rams, or neither? Now, you got about 40 minutes left to vote on this thing, so go to my Twitter page. But I'll tell you, the people voting on my page have given up on the Rams. They are the defending Super Bowl champions, and I can tell you right now, the Rams, in terms of the votes they're getting today, I understand recency bias, are a distant third behind Niners and neither. Hmm. The, the fans love neither a lot more than they love the Rams. Are you giving up on the Rams? I'm giving up on the Rams. I think both the Rams and the Bengals, who met in the playoffs last year, I don't, excuse me, in the Super Bowl last year, I don't think neither will reach the playoffs. See, I, I think if there's one thing that we need to remember, we must pace ourselves as football fans. Every year I say to myself, I'm not going to overreact to the things that happened in September. Because they always look totally different in October. And then it's not until the end of November that you really figure out what's going to happen. Everything changes after Thanksgiving. So I think to write off the Rams or the Bengals, especially the Bengals in a division that is not running away from them. But frankly, the Rams division isn't running away from them. Every team in that division is two and two. I think it's a mistake to write off either of them. To me, the better question is which one could you see as a more legitimate Super Bowl threat, and I think the answer is San Francisco because I think they are legitimately special at something, which is defense. They're outstanding at defense, and they have the right quarterback with which to be outstanding at defense. Speaking of that, very quickly, before I get Tommy in here, you told me the power rankings, ESPN's power rankings came out. Just read me the top 10 again. The top 10 are the Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Packers, Dolphins. So that's five. That's the top five mm-hmm. in that order? In that order. Chiefs, Bills, Eagles. Packers, Dolphins. So they have the Eagles third. They have the Eagles third and number one in the NFC. Okay. And then NF, give me six through ten. Six through ten. Rams, Vikings, Bucks, Ravens, Bengals. See, this is insanity. I mean, it's just ridiculousness uh, that the Cowboys are not being taken seriously. I, I, I'm really surprised. I understand they've not played a murderer's row of a schedule, but 3-1 and one with your backup quarterback is 3-1 and one with your backup quarterback. Maybe if they sack Stafford 10 times this Sunday, people will start taking them seriously, and then they get a Sunday night showdown with Philly, and we see what happens. Where is, the, is that first game between the two, is that one in Dallas or in Philly? Where yeah, is that, that game? game is, the game's in, it's a night game. It's in Philly. Right, I know it's Sunday night. Yes. It's that one's sun, in Philly? Sunday night in Philly. So we'll start to find out what the reality of the situation is there. You know, there are so many podcasts out right now. It takes a team of people to bring them together. So whether you're hiring for a podcast or for your growing business, one place makes it easy, and that is ZipRecruiter. You can try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. All right, is Tommy there? 
He's there and he's excited to talk about that Bears offense. Okay, good. So so Tom Waddle is someone I've known forever. He has been a talk show host now in Chicago, uh, Waddle and Sylvie, forever on ESPN 1000. Just outstanding. But I knew him when he was a tough, hard-nosed wide receiver for the Chicago Bears back in the 90s. And when I have questions about the Bears, I turn to Tom Waddle. So first off, Tommy, thank you as always. I hope that you're doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. Sylvie's jealous because when you have questions about the Bears, he wishes you called him, not me. <laughs> well, you know, if, if if he had been blown up on a third down catch the way you always did on in Tampa and other places, then maybe I would turn to him. Anyway, so so let, let me set the, the scenario for you here. You are well aware that the national perspective, the 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 prevailing conventional wisdom of people in the national media, which at this point includes me, Tommy, is that Nothing that is happening with the Bears right now is Justin Fields' fault. That he is in a position (laughs) in which no one could succeed, that he has no receivers, that his offensive line is awful, and that that what 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 is right now on pace to be one of the worst passing offenses in the history of the National Football League is not in any way a an indication of where he is or how good he might be. Hembo on this show yesterday. Brought up a bunch of numbers that dispute those. So very quickly, Hembo, give the numbers. Sure. So right now, Justin Fields has a higher sack rate than David Carr had the year he set the sack record. Right. Right now, Justin Fields is being pressured at a higher rate than any quarterback has since ESPN began tracking. Right now, however, Justin Fields' targets, his receivers, rank fourth in terms of average target separation, meaning they are open when he targets them. But even so, he ranks dead last in the NFL in completion percentage. And one more thing. It's worth pointing out. He's playing behind what ESPN says is the NFL's 10th ranked offensive line when it comes to pass protection. The Bears rank 10th in pass block win rate. And so those are difficult things for me to square. So, so again, that's top third of the league. So those are numbers. They're real. You can't dispute the numbers. But sometimes, as I said, Tommy, the numbers tell you an inaccurate. They give you an inaccurate picture. Yeah. You're living in this day in, day out. What's the right answer here? Well, I think you have to be careful with the numbers because, as I've always said, you can make numbers sing whatever song you want them to sing. When you talk about a quarterback being the most sacked quarterback in the league, how responsible is he for some of those sacks? And I think that Justin's been sacked, what, 16 times this year? Mm -hmm. I think you have to go back and watch the film and ask yourself how many of those sacks are avoidable if actually Justin is, is feeling the pocket correctly and shuffling right or shuffling left. Or, or climbing the pocket at certain times. I, again, I, we, we have been inundated with numbers, you know, and I think that the, what I kind of, the advice I have to myself is, is to take all of these numbers, put them into your football calculator, use them because analytics are very important in sports these days. And when you come to a conclusion, using analytics is very important and very valuable. Trust your eyes. And my eyes tell me that, yes, Justin is, is not being helped very much by his offensive line. While they run block very well, they're a below-average pass-blocking group. His wide receivers are a below-average group, tight ends and wide receivers at this particular time. So he has really not been given a great situation. By the same token, there are moments where there is a clean pocket and there are wide receivers open. And at times, Justin is not climbing the pocket, not finding those receivers. So... I think, Greeny, you know, the best way I can describe it is it's, there's a lot of blame to go around, and I think you're putting your head in the sand if you're not willing to acknowledge that the quarterback is struggling at times as well. And I think the greatest statistic, if we're going to use numbers, 
that highlights what I'm saying is his completion percentage, which he's completing 51% of his passes. And I think last year he completed 57 or 58% of his passes. In this league, if you're not completing 65% or more, you're not being an efficient quarterback in the league. You're not hitting your layups or, or taking the gimmies. And I think that that would be the criticism I have for Justin right now in a precarious situation. There's no question about that. But there are moments when the pocket is clean and there is someone open. And I don't care if the jersey says Pettis on it or the jersey on it says Devontae Adams on it. Open is open in this league. Mm-hmm. And it's incumbent on the quarterback to find that open receiver at times. Now, you may argue that Devontae Adams is more open at, or, or at, open at, a, at a higher rate than Dante Pettis is. But when Dante Pettis is open, throwing the ball. And here's, here's an example. There was a third and four in that game. And the Bears are trailing. And everyone says, oh, there's Justin can't make any progress because of the group around him. Justin steps up in the pocket on third and four and throws a beautiful back shoulder throw, uh, shoulder throw to Dante Pettis. It's a tough catch. A lot of back shoulder throws are tough catches. He drops it. Now, the outcome of that play, Greeny, is a negative. But for me, the net positive, and I have very low expectations because this is a full rebuild, and I acknowledge that Justin doesn't have a lot to work with, nothing positive. Justin sets his feet. He drives the ball downfield, throws a beautiful pass. It's dropped. That's progress for me with a young quarterback. And there are moments when you can actually find an opportunity for Justin to make that progress, and he doesn't do it all the time. Now, again, I'm very patient. I would never say you give up on this kid at all. I mean, you've got an offensive coordinator doing this for the first time. As I mentioned, you've got a below-average pass-protecting offensive line, not a great group of wide receivers and tight ends. So it's a difficult situation. He needs to play better. He needs to hit his layups, but we all need to lower expectation level for what we expect from him and this team this year. Greeny and Tommy Waddle from Chicago. So that begets the really big question. Can they evaluate him reasonably? When this season is over, if, if things don't substantially change, will it be reasonable for them to, to make an evaluation of him and decide either yes or no, he is the guy, this new regime, the new GM, the new coaching staff that they want to go into the future with? Whatever it is they decide, will it be a reasonable body of work in order to make that decision? It's going to be difficult, in my opinion, no, if they don't change some things. Like, I don't have a huge problem at this point with what Matt Getzey was asking Justin to do in terms of the run-pass ratio from Sunday's game against the Giants. But there are a couple of examples where I think first-time head coach Matt Eberflus, uh, being patient with him as well, first-time offensive coordinator and Luke Getzey, where they kind of go into a shell and they, they play turtle ball. At the end of the, the, or the first half against Houston a week ago, they had an opportunity to see what this young quarterback and his group could do in a two-minute situation at the end of the first half. What did they do? They went into a shell. They wanted to get into the, to the locker room at halftime so nothing else negative would happen. What's the worst that can happen to you? Oh, you make a mistake, and you give the ball back to Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. Big freaking deal. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. use that opportunity to see what the kid can do. I don't think, Greeny, you can evaluate him. I don't think that you can develop him unless you put him in that offense in situations where you're allowing them to actually play. Two other examples from the Giants game. You were third and two from the four-yard line, on the Giants' four-yard line. They decide to run the ball. Fine. That would imply to me that you're going to go for it on fourth. They didn't. They kicked a field goal. So if you were going to think about it, we don't convert this third down, we're going to kick a field goal, why not do something to allow Justin to have a run-pass option? 
The other play was a fourth and two. They're trailing by eight. At the, they decide to punt late in the fourth quarter. Like, again, my expectations are different than the coach. I understand a first-time head coach wants to win every single game. His decision was to punt the football, play defense, use his timeouts, and get the ball back with good field position. And had Bayless Jones not fumbled a punt, part of that would have come true. From my seat, I don't see them as a threat to win anything this year. What I want to see them do is give Justin Fields the opportunity with his young players around him to try to convert that fourth and two. And I don't care whether or not you're the worst team in the league or you're a Super Bowl contender. I think the analytics would tell you the right thing at that time was to go for it on fourth and two. So that's where my skepticism comes into play about whether or not they're going to be able to evaluate him and come to a conclusion. Because as you know, he's not their guy. I mean, the dysfunction in this organization is on full display. You let Matt Nagy and and Ryan Pace go ahead and draft another quarterback with, you know, the thought that if it doesn't go well in year one of Justin Fields, they're going to get fired. Like, how in the world do you do that? Like, that's incompetence from an organizational standpoint. So now I got a young quarterback who wasn't, you know, brought along very well by the previous regime. A new regime takes over. He doesn't know where he stands with the group. It's just, it's more chaos. Unfortunately, I want you to call me one time, Greeny, and you and I and have a blue. You and I have a blue sky and sunshine conversation <laughs> about a great Bears offense and a quarterback that is lighting up the league. One time. Well, unfortunately, Sid Luckman isn't there anymore, and that was the last time that we could have had that conversation in a reasonable way. Uh, but I'm glad that we got to the insight from it here, Tommy. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Best of the family. Uh, say hi to everybody, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Granny. Have a great day. That's Tom Waddle. No, he's right. I mean, we always call him because things are going bad. But I, I, there's a, I, a bunch of stuff that I want to react to. I'll do it in a minute. You can watch us live, by the way, in the ESPN app starting this week. Open the app. Hit watch on the bottom tab. You can see the show live. I want to react to that. Plus, I will tell you one commonly used phrase that I never want to hear again. That's next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, 
give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Just had a nice chat with my old buddy Tom Waddle in Chicago about Justin Fields, because those of us who work in the national media, and Hembo, you hear it every single day on Get Up and other places, the conventional wisdom is Justin Fields bears no responsibility for how historically bad his passing offense is right now. And I think Tom just told you that's not 100% right. The truth is usually somewhere in between. And the, the answer is he does have bad receivers. He does have a bad offensive line when it comes to pass blocking, despite whatever the numbers suggest, because all those things don't always, they don't take place in a vacuum either. But that it is not right to just suggest that nothing, he's not doing anything, that he's doing everything right and there's nothing he could do about it. Now, the last point Tom made was the best one. This is an organizational failure. I talk a lot on this show about what they've done in Buffalo and what they've done in Philadelphia. These are organizational successes. Right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a 14-point underdog this weekend against Buffalo. Biggest underdog they've been since 1969. You know what they're not going to do? Fire their coach. Because when you believe in people, you ride the escalator down with them every now and again. Because you believe in the long run that they will ultimately take you up much more than they will take you down. But when you are constantly changing plan and changing focus as so many unsuccessful franchises in all sports and in all businesses do, then you have to thread a needle to succeed. It's not impossible, but it's much harder. So look what the Bears did. They were on the verge of firing their coach and general manager. They didn't. They decided to give them another year. And so what did those guys do? They traded up and took a quarterback. That quarterback is now dangling in the breeze. A new coaching staff and a new organizational leadership have come in, and it's their job to rehabilitate whatever it is that Justin didn't get last year. And that's not a job they signed on for. They probably had to pretend they were whenever it was they were being interviewed. Do you believe in Justin Fields? Oh, yeah. Can you turn him around? Absolutely. I got the job. Thanks. Now I'll figure it out. And so that's what's happening. So now you're just spinning your wheels. And you're beginning a rebuilding process in what should be the second year of it at worst because you want to rebuild. You don't want to be rebuilding a quarterback when he's in his second year learning a new system. So this is going, this runs the significant risk of ruining Justin Fields. However much of it so far is his fault or not. Because when Tom says he's not seeing open people and he's not feeling the pocket, how much of that is the fact that he has been under duress from the second he got there and the, the previous coaching staff was too busy trying to save their jobs to be working fully on just developing him? These things don't happen in a vacuum. So this is an organizational failure of epic proportion. I'm also, I, I don't disagree with a word you said, but I'm just not willing to exclude the other half of the conversation and then relieve Justin Fields of any responsibility in this. Because the same things that you just said about Justin Fields could also have been said about Sam Darnold for years with the Jets. And who knows, maybe if he were drafted by a good organization, he would have been good. 
But that's just not how this thing works. You get one shot in life. Sometimes you only get one shot in your career. And to date, Sam Darnold isn't any good. And I think there's a real chance that in a few years we'll look back and say to ourselves, yeah, Justin Fields isn't any good either. Well, look at that draft class just for a moment. All right, so, so we, this conversation came up because Baker Mayfield is getting booed at home right now in Carolina. And look at that draft class. This is kind of the way the NFL draft works. There were five quarterbacks taken in the first round that year. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson, in that order. Two of the five have turned out to be great. Lamar Jackson has won an MVP. Josh Allen looks like he will win at least one in his career. Josh Rosen, I think, was out of the league in 10 minutes. I mean, Josh Rosen, that team drafted a quarterback number one overall the following season. Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are now on the same team, and they're both awful, and the team is awful. So is that because Baker Mayfield couldn't play? Is that because Sam Darnold couldn't play? Did Sam Darnold not have the talent to play? Did he not have the desire to play? Is he too stupid to play the position? Or did he not have a fighting chance? Did the total misfunction, dysfunction, excuse me, and mishandling of the development of those guys contribute to this? When last seen in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield wasn't awful, by the way. And Darnold, I think, never had a chance. Allen, meanwhile, was brought along by a franchise that believed in him, wanted, and put every single ounce of their resources into developing a quarterback. And the Ravens have done the same. So those are organizational success stories. Does the credit ultimately, first and foremost, go to Allen and Jackson? Of course. But they, they, those things didn't happen in a vacuum either. Those things happen because they have stable franchises and good coaches. I mean, maybe Buffalo hasn't historically been a stable franchise, but they got the right people in there and they did the right things. So I'm under no circumstances uh, absolving Justin Fields of all blame. But when I start thinking about why this thing went sideways, him not having the ability to do it, is low on my list, very low on my list of, of the, the reasonable possibilities. Like if you were, if this was a mystery, right? We're trying to solve a mystery mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, Sherlock Holmes and you're trying to solve a mystery. And I said, here are the likely suspects. Here are the, here are the possible reasons this happened. And I present to you one of them, which is Justin Fields is just not good enough to play quarterback in the National Football League. He isn't talented enough. He isn't smart enough. He isn't, uh, doesn't have the dynamic work ethic, leadership qualities, all of those things. You would say, boy, I'd put that last. I would put that last on my list of likely reasons this is going this way. Do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with that. So that's it. So why is it going so badly? And the one who bears the brunt of it mostly is him. Because, I mean, just look at Mitch Trubisky and Baker Mayfield and soon Daniel Jones and all these guys. They're, they're lot, these are highly touted people who had a chance to have great success, and instead their lot in lives are going to be what their lot in lives are going to be. And maybe that'll be Fields too. So may, maybe the right answer is I don't know if he would have been a superstar or not, but he never got a chance to tell you. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny uh, here as we roll along on ESPN Radio. We'll get back to business in about three minutes. In the meantime, I mentioned that Baker Mayfield was getting booed at home. He reacted to that. Here's what he said about it. Obviously, I'm frustrated the fact that we're 1-3. and um, I mean, that's, that's it, though. It, we're four weeks into the year. You know, we can sit here and let you guys pile on us or we're going to come together as a locker room. That's exactly how we're going to handle it. I don't really care about the fact that our fans are booing or what's going on. We're going to figure it out. And when we win, it'll still be just us in the locker room. And that's really all I care about. So we're going to be just fine. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't love that. I, I did not love it. Like, like, like I think the overriding premise of it is um, – is right, which is our season's not over. We have a lot of work we can still do. We can still put this thing together. I'm confident that we will, which is he sort of said that in a different way. All those are good things to say. But when we win, all those people, well, they'll still be out there. I don't want them. on. But, you know, I, we could live without that. And I had this conversation about the coach of the Jets recently, and now here's Baker Mayfield. Like, when are these guys going to realize? Like, when you play badly, the fans booing, that's the business you've chosen. What exactly is it you want the fans to do or say? You guys are terrific. You threw five passes directly into the chest of a defender who was standing less than four feet away from you on Sunday. Bravo. I love it. I'm still with you guys. In order for me to be cheering for you when you win, then I need to be cheering for you now. That's the mentality. Look, I get it. I understand what it's like. No, I don't. I don't understand what it's like to be in that public of a situation. When, you, when, you, when you're the quarterback of a football team and the football team is bad and you're getting booed, I've never lived anything like that. But I do want to know what it's like to be the subject of a lot of criticism and questions and all that kind of stuff, professionally speaking. And you know what you do? You recognize that that's part of what you signed up for. You put your head down, you go back to work. And you don't say to yourself, you know what, if I come out the other side of this successful, I'm going to shove it in the face of everybody because they were wrong. No, they weren't. They were right when they said it. The circumstances changed. If the Panthers wind up winning the Super Bowl this year, it will not change the fact that on this past Sunday, they were awful. The people booing were not wrong. And that doesn't change no matter what happens. So I don't know where these fans are who just sit there and blindly cheer for their team no matter what happens. 
But I don't think it's the norm, and I don't think it's a realistic or reasonable expectation. That's what I think. We'll continue in 15 seconds here on ESPN Radio. So I'm not sure how many times I've heard people bemoan <clears throat> there not being enough money in collegiate sports to pay athletes. That has been a, this has been a fight that I've been having on these and other airwaves for 30 years now about the way college athletes are compensated. And Nuno put a good note in the Google Doc today when he wrote, no one should say there isn't enough money for the student-athletes when universities are spending so much to pay their coaches to go away. So the Twitter account at SpotRack or SpotRack, I'm not sure how he pronounces it, says, firing your football coach midseason is the new flex. Here are reported buyouts for recent fired coaches. Paul Christ, Wisconsin, $16.4 million. They apparently agreed to reduce it to eleven. They paid him $11 million to go away in the middle of the season. Scott Frost, Nebraska, they paid him $15 million to go away in September. If they had waited three weeks, that number would have been cut substantially down. Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech, the, payback, the, the buyout was $11 million. Carl Durrell, Colorado, over $8 million. Herman Edwards, Arizona State, over $8 million. They're paying these people to go away. It's remarkable to me. It's incredible to me. And it just goes to show you, and again, this is not a negative. There's so much money in this stuff. Like college football has got to be one of the great businesses in the world. What must the business plan be to where you can say, yeah, I'm going to give this guy $15 million to do nothing. That's a pretty good business model. I'm not really sure I understand how it works. The buyout, it feels to me, should be, Hembo, you're the coach of a football program, and I decide I want you to come work at my school, mm-hmm. and you're under contract. Well, i got to give the school $15 million to get you away from there. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the school and I want to fire you, why should I have to pay you any sort of buyout? I don't understand how that works. If I get fired, I have a contract at ESPN. I serve at the pleasure, at the whim of the executives of this company and ultimately of the Walt Disney Company. They have to pay me no matter what. They have to pay me my salary. If I don't do something terrible and get fired with cause, they have to pay me. But they don't have to put me on the air. So you can take a coach off the sideline. I don't understand how the buyout isn't just the rest of his contract. Like, what, what exactly is it that we're talking about here? Well, the buyout is the rest of the contract, is it not? I mean, that's effectively what this is. The reason that Paul Christ and Scott Frost and all these guys are going to take these buyouts, that's the remainder or a portion of the remainder of their contract. Well, yeah, but I, why would they just take a portion I'm not taking a portion of anything. I don't know why it was negotiated this way in Wisconsin's case, but either way, he still walked away with $11 million. $11 million to do nothing. I think a lot of times they get it like up front. You know, it's, it's a lot of times it'll be like... Instead of getting... So, so, so the idea like is... In over, you know, instead of getting 70 payments over you know, 20 years... <laughs> Bobby Bonilla. He's getting... Yeah, instead of getting Bonilla, Chris is getting... Eleven million by the next, you know, by Christmas, which is pretty good. Exactly. Go ahead, and, and by the way, and people have been talking about Jimbo Fisher, and I heard Paul Feinbaum say this on the morning show today. Uh, he's not going anywhere. They still owe him almost ninety-five million dollars. <laughs> so he, yeah, so they they gave him a contract extension this summer. He, by the way, 
is this his record actually Charlie uh, I uh, the previous uh, head coach uh, Charlie Kevin Sumlin Kevin Sumlin excuse me he had a better record at this point in time and they still owe him ninety five almost ninety five million dollars so he's not going anywhere yeah and look God bless him if someone wants to give me a ninety five million dollar contract I'll take it. <laughs> I don't dispute, I don't have any issue with anyone getting as much money as they possibly can. This is still America, last I checked. You want to pay me a bunch of money to coach a football team? Terrific. Nick Saban has earned every penny they've paid him and then some. And if you made a mistake in hiring Jimbo Fisher, and I don't know if they did or they didn't, but if that was a mistake, that's not on him. So he obviously made himself seem worth it. So I don't have any issue with that. I'm just saying I'm real uninterested in hearing anything about how the players should be limited in anything they can do, anything they can earn, anything they can get when a school is willing to pay $11 million to a person to do nothing. I'm looking at a headline on ESPN.com from, from last fall when a couple of our reporters did a study and found the amount of dead money, they called it, in, uh, among FBS schools over the previous 10 years. Greeny, how much money do you think FBS schools paid ex-coaches not to coach for them in the previous So were there like 110 programs or something? How many of them are there? 131. 130. So let's say the number is going to be over 100 million, right? Is it going to be 100 million dollars? 533 million dollars. Get out of here. (laughs) They paid a half a billion dollars to human beings not to coach their football teams. From January 1st, 2010 to January 31st, 2021, Public universities and FBS conferences paid out more than 500. And that's only public right. universities. So hold on a minute. That, I mean, that's public universities. So that doesn't include. So what are the really big private? Is Clemson public or private? That, I'm trying to think what are the big football programs that are private? We are. Like Northwestern mm-hmm. is a private university. Stanford is a private university. Vanderbilt is a private university. Duke is a private university. I'm trying to think of like your traditional Notre big Dame. time power. Notre Dame is a private university for sure. <laughs> Um, so that's going to be seven, eight, nine hundred million dollars, right? It's got to mm-hmm. be. That's an absurd figure. But there's not enough money for these kids. Uh, uh, God wow. forbid the kids should get a ham sandwich. So one way or another, I'm delighted that they have changed that. Whether it has had a positive or negative effect on football is not high on my list of concerns. So that's one thing. Now, here's another side of this that I did find interesting. Wisconsin, because it is a public university actually is obligated to post on its website an opening for that job. People can now submit their resumes. Is it up yet? You told me it wasn't up yet this morning. I don't see it, but yes, every time such a thing happens at a public university, it immediately comes a thing on Twitter. So, Nuno, we could... Tell me which of these two things would be more amusing as a radio producer. (laughs) One, if we were to put together a resume... For me to apply for the job <laughs> of the football coach at Wisconsin, or we were to imagine aloud, what would Urban Meyer's resume look like if he applied for this job? Urban is going to be a coach again. What things would be on his resume? Like, his would be a very impressive resume. It's got the highest of highs. Highest winning percentage by any Division One college coach since World War II. <laughs> That's a good first bold line. Now, I haven't made a resume in a really long time. I've worked in the same place for 26 years. So I've not had occasion to put together a resume. But I think 
highest winning percentage in major college football since World War II is better than two radio halls of fame. Like, I think he beats me there. But I might have some advantages. Like, if these resumes are really meticulously put together, there could be some areas (laughs) where you could sell me to the alums and fan base a little more easily. Which of those two is a more amusing possibility, Nuno? Well, I mean, I think the third that you're missing is we can just put all the stuff that Bubba has done mm. and submit that as a, a resume. Well, um, but I think um, for Urban, like, you're going to include the coach Tim Tebow, right? Like, I think that's going to be in there mm-hmm. because everyone loves Tim Tebow. Sure. Are you, you know, uh, weekend getaway, uh, you know, three-day weekend getaways after your team loses. Like, are you going to put that in there? It's a tough one. Last year, so, yeah, that's so a I tough think. one to come back from. Uh, Maybe you put that in, but not in bold. <clears throat> you know, like, I don't know. I don't, we probably... You don't even print the resume on a piece of paper anymore, do you, right? These things are just yeah. done electronically. Mm-hmm. That's how long it's been. <coughs> I used to actually print a re- – you know, when I would submit a resume, I'd put it in a, on a piece of paper, and you'd print it. And there's, like, bullet points, and the, you bold at the top, like, education, Northwestern University, graduated so-and-so with so-and-so honors. Like the, so maybe you would put in there, like, Coach Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> – but you put that like at the very bottom, like in italics. And what you don't do is you don't make any mention of what the Jaguars are doing since you left. Because they went from being the most embarrassing <laughs> franchise in sports to like, they may be really good. Like that fast. What, what is the conversation like between like a chancellor at Wisconsin and Shad Khan, <laughs> the owner of the Jags? Like what, what are you, what is that conversation like? Yes, I'm high. Uh, I'm the chancellor of Wisconsin. Uh, I'm calling for a... a um, uh, a job uh, recommendation. Um, I have a listing here that suggests that this person worked for you. And, um, you know, do you have uh, positive things to say about his work ethic? About his- I mean, he might just leave the Jacksonville part off his resume. So maybe they oh, just can like- have a gap, though. He probably isn't going to list Shad Khan as <laughs> yeah, one of his. Reference. Like, do you still put references down there? Like, so, yeah, is that. Yeah, is- you know, Nuno and I both do a lot of hiring. And the- there are some references. The one thing, if. He- hold, if on, he- hold, if on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to stop. You got to stop. What? Bubba, yeah, you do a lot of hiring. Oh yeah, I mean, can look, we just go over that for a moment? Yeah. What does that look like? I mean, all the all the part time PAs are brought in by me, Liam, uh, Nuno, and, and the boys. <laughs> we are, who are the boys? We are, what we are, boys? A, if you're not the boys, who are? Are there other boys? I don't know. It's just a it's a it's a large group of us. It's it's you, Nuno, Liam. And the boys? Yeah. yeah the right. boys, yes. Our, is it's, a hi- it's a hiring committee. It's a whole crew of us. I see. And and, and you, you, you do you interview these? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're just starting up. We're, we got uh, two positions we're filling right now. We're about to start doing some interviews. Can I beg you to do something? Yeah. Can you surreptitiously hide a phone in a room while you do that? <laughs> and then we can play back the audio and in a perfect world video of you interviewing a person for a job. I, I, we don't even have to do it on the air. I don't want to embarrass these young people, but I would like to just hear what that sounds like. I mean, it sounds like an awesome interview. Ask me a question. What, so now I'm – hi, my name is Mike Greenberg, and I would like to be a part-time PA at ESPN Radio in the network offices up there in Bristol, Connecticut. Nice to meet you, Mr. Peregrine. I've been a fan of your work for a very long time. I used to listen to you when Mike and Mike was on. Now I hear you on that Greeny show. You're very funny. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you. What would you like to know about me? Now, what, what question are you asking that person? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, Nuno and I um, 
you know, work on Greeny Show. Let's say Noonan and I are off, and you're producing Greeny Show. You step in and produce Greeny Show. So you're sitting with Greeny today on the pre-show meeting. What are we leading with today on today's re- uh, radio show? What's the number one topic today? What are, what are you uh, doing with that uh, with Greeny? Can I tell you something? It's pretty good. It's a pretty good question, right? I mean, I actually kind of like that. You know, when I got out the heck with it, we're not getting to anything else here. I'm just, we're just going to talk about this now. When I got hired at ESPN, I don't know if they still do this, <clears throat> but when I got hired at ESPN, I, had, I took a quiz. Oh, we got a, a sports quiz. quiz. Do they still do quizzes? I mean, we have one. I don't know if other departments have one. You ask sports questions. Like, you have to actually have to demonstrate your sports knowledge. I took it. I mean, I remember this. This is 1996. Um, do, do you know, can you name, can you off the top of your head, think of one of the questions that's on this quiz? Um, yeah, there are six teams that have won four or more Super Bowls. Can you name them? Oh, I like that. Okay. We can do that. I mean, right? to do, to get into research, you have to take a 50 question quiz and it was timed. Like this is yeah, still the, very much a thing at ESPN. But yeah, and really? theirs is going to be yeah. much harder than ours. Ours is more kind of like topical. That's kind of the, the more, most difficult question. Uh-huh. Most of ours are kind of just like topical, like, you know, who's... Who replaced uh, Coach K at Duke? You know, more topical things of what's happening in the news. But that's that one is kind of just a more of a trivia one. I like this. We should do the ESPN entrance exam we should. all the way through. And, and, and anyway, it's just to sort of spin it all the way back to where it began. Does anyone else find it funny that at a public institution you have to actually list the job? Like you have to post the job. Do you actually have to go through like the charade of interviewing people who you know are not getting it. Like in a real, I'm asking a real question. If I, if I applied for this job, would they have to interview me? No, but they would probably send you an automated email saying, thank you for applying. We should definitely try. Let's do that. I'd like to apply for that job. Let's, let's actually pick one. So there's a bunch of openings, right? These are state schools. Mm -hmm. Nebraska has an opening. What else do we say? Arizona State yep, you can has an opening. Her. Colorado. All of these are. Well, is Georgia Tech a, a public school? Mm-hmm. That may be private. Um, but all of these are. The, the other ones are all public. I would like to apply for these jobs and just see <laughs> if we get any response at all. Like I'll put up an actual resume. We'll put together a resume of mine that's legitimate. These are the things that I've done in my life. I'm, I, I'm an accomplished person uh, of some, on some level. What are the chances I get an interview? <laughs> Do I get? Is there any chance I get an interview for one of these jobs? Any chance? Yes, hi, Mr. Greenberg. Uh, yes, I'm calling about the opening at Nebraska. We understand. You look like an interesting candidate. Uh, we'd like to... Well, outside the box. We'd like, it's outside the box. But, but, you know, look, you have extensive sports experience. We'd like, to, we'd like to talk to you about this. Could you possibly fly in Thursday? Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.